0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to another edition of the Bachelor News Radio Show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, uh, WCOM in Chapel Hill, IBM TV, Big Mind Entertainment, and, of course, the Bachelor News Radio Network. We thank you for joining us this time, 646-929-0130, the number to get on the air. Uh, If you have a question, you can dial in there. The chat room is open, and, of course, you can listen live at thebachelornews.airtime.com. T R O Bachelor with T dot Pro. Want to go to my guest. Always good to have him on. It's been a minute. Uh, he is the uh, he's a retired general, general who served under General Petraeus the Iraq war. He also is the general Raymond E. Mason, junior charity. Uh, I'm sorry, chair of military history at Ohio state university and a frequent media commentator here and other outlets. He's Dr. Peter Mansoor. And doc, I appreciate you coming on. I hope all is well. And hope, uh, your family got through, uh, COVID,
2: um, uh, quite okay. We're doing great LA. Thanks for having me on. All of us have our inoculations and, uh, actually finished the 3 week vacation out west so enjoying life again yeah it's good to to
1: be able to get out and do some things now wanted to have you come on and talk about the Biden administration um and sort of give them a grade when you look at um some of the things they reentered where the previous administrator administration got out of it and some of the things they're trying to uh, do based on his commitments during the campaign so uh just before we break down some stuff what grade would you give him thus far
2: um well i think it's uh it's a solid a minus uh, at the moment um clearly he has um acted on his campaign promises to bring America back into the world and reknit our alliances. Uh, that's probably the, um, the most notable thing that he's done. But now you can see he's starting to act on specifics. Most recently, uh, his press conference today where he uh, finalized the withdrawal of U.S. forces from Afghanistan. So um, lots to be done, uh, especially in the climate change arena, uh, but um, still a, a, a pretty good start.
1: I want to go to some specifics that he he said he um, they worked out um, and it's still on on the the White House website. But his agenda, uh, one of the things he talked about was defending our our vital interests. Um, he said he'll never hesitate to protect the American people, including when necessary by using force, which is something different. Um, For him, at least. uh, And making sure that our military, which is the strongest in the world, is better equipped with um, the necessary necessary equipment, um, the uh, intelligence, counterintelligence, the the cyber attack uh, defense. um, But using force being the last resort, what do you think of uh, this philosophy as it relates to protecting us here at home?
2: I actually think it's uh, it's a pretty good philosophy going forward. Uh, we don't want to spend a, a lot of money on legacy military forces that may or may not be um, suitable to the kind of conflicts we're, we're waging in the world today. We, we are clearly in a strategic uh, competition with China and Russia, uh, so those are the, the bellwether um, potential adversaries at any rate. Um, and you've got to have the kind of equipment, the kind of uh, capabilities to deal with the sorts of challenges that they pose, whether it be a potential invasion of Taiwan or uh, cyber attacks emanating from, uh, from Russia uh, or the sort of gray zone warfare you see in Ukraine or the South China Sea at present.
1: You know he he said that he believes that economic security is national security so he wanted to make sure that his foreign policy uh, really catered to the middle class in terms of the competition and he really didn't say China was uh, a threat in terms of uh, military uh, place but certainly in when it comes to um, innovative and and technological ways do, do you Think that China is our direct competition in that aspect?
2: Oh, absolutely. Every president has realized that economic power equates to military power. Um, it's it's latent power, uh, and China is by far the the second greatest economic engine on the planet. You know, number one being the United States. And regardless of what you hear, we are still uh, the greatest economy on the planet. And actually, I would put my money on the United States for the rest of the 21st century. But that's a different discussion. Um, So, you know, the question is, who's going to lead the uh, innovation of the future? Who's going to lead the uh, rush into 5G? Um, Who's going to lead uh, robotics, um, uh, biotechnology? there's a whole host uh, of uh, emerging technologies that are going to be absolutely crucial to economic wherewithal in the future. And uh, President Biden wants to put money behind uh, the effort to make the United States the leader in that realm. We've, unfortunately, our country has backed off in terms of funding basic research uh, for decades now, and it's time to make the government a partner with private uh, industry and with uh, acad- academia to make it uh, an engine of growth going forward.
1: If you're just joining us, we'll talk with Dr. Pete Mansour. Of course, he's a retired colonel and uh, a professor at Ohio State University on the uh, Boston News radio show. Um, Dr. Mansour, he, he went on to talk about uh, this global action um, where he wants um, democracies, not just us, but democracies across the world to Confront the rise of populists and nationalists and demagogues, and 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 fight against uh, autocratic powers, which seems to be strengthening to, you know, sort of the, divide and, and manipulate and isolate democracies, and and those those are serious threats to this time. Um, what do you think he has to do in that regard? To me, he wasn't really specific in that. Uh, we'll get to some other agreements, but what does he have to do when he talks about fighting against these populists, these nationalists, and these autocratic uh, regimes?
2: I think it's a, it's a good sort of grand strategic organizing principle uh, to group the world's democracies, uh, liberal democracies at any rate, together. And in the 1990s, you could see, for instance, um, with the collapse of the Soviet Union and in an ascendant United States, that democracy was on the rise and the world was, uh, you know, still challenging, but on the whole more peaceful than it is at present. Uh, Unfortunately, that has unraveled in the last 20 years. And so I think what uh, President Biden and his team needs to do is re-knit America's alliances with uh, the liberal democracies around the world. And I see them doing that. He, he made a trip to, um, to Europe, he's uh, engaged with South Korea and uh, Japan. Uh, you know, one of the the real flashpoints with China could be over Taiwan. Well, Taiwan is a liberal democracy that we should embrace, and um, you know, India would be another example in the in the developing world, uh, Australia in the Pacific region. So there's there's plenty of places that and countries that want to ally with the United States. They just want. Uh, an administration in Washington uh, that is going to be a, a, a stable ally, one that doesn't uh, simply make transactional promises um, that you know they they saw in the last administration.
1: You know, one of the things he talked about is climate change. It's, it's been you know at the forefront of his campaign and now in this administration to trying to get things done. He uh, got us back into the Paris Agreement, of course. Um, what else can he do, or what else can the, his administration do to lead the fight, or to lead the uh, the challenges in facing and fighting the challenges of, of climate change and getting everybody on board globally?
2: Yeah, I, I think this infrastructure bill or sets of bills that are being debated in the halls of Congress right now are going to be really important. Um, whether you call it a Green New Deal or not, putting money behind uh, the sorts of technologies that can help um, eliminate carbon emission emissions is going to be really important. And, it, and it's a policy aspect as well. So if you want to pay for um, upgrades to green energy, for instance, uh, a great way to do that would be to put a carbon tax, uh, enact a carbon tax on legacy uh, uh emitters that use uh, hydrocarbons, and uh, this would kill two birds in one stone. It would um, make more money available to green energy, solar, wind, and, you know, all the other uh, various possibilities there, and it would make hydrocarbons more expensive uh, at the margins, which would reduce their use. Uh, then taking this um, globally, um, if, if he – enacted, if he were able to enact a a carbon tax on US industries, um, you could say that um, any nation that didn't do the same thing, we're going to put a tariff on your exports to the United States. Um, And he could do some sort of agreement whereby that carbon tax becomes sort of a global carbon tax, if you will, so that a country can't take advantage of the fact that they're not taxing their carbon and dumping cheap imports into the United States.
1: You know, one of the things he talked about was, um, you know, human rights, making sure we're the leader and, and you know, helping democracies uh, in, in other countries and helping the people uh, both um, in terms of providing for them and, and allowing them to have temporary safe havens if they're in the midst of civil wars or anything like Afghanistan, which I'll get to in just a bit. But one of his biggest detractors, the biggest negatives, if you will, or debates has been migrants at the border coming in. Um, And it seems as though, to me, their policy on it has been kind of all over the place. Um, And it and I mean, he's not the first president in this regard as well. But what do you see in terms of his policy in terms of bringing allowing people in uh, to this country? Because the numbers are definitely going up and how uh, you know, what would you do or advise if you were in his position to advise him?
2: Yeah, this is a really tough issue, because on the one hand, we want to be accepting of uh, people who are uh, legitimately leaving their countries because of political strife and yet we don't want to become the dumping ground for economic migrants, which, uh, you know, quite a few people coming from South of the border are, are coming for economic reasons. Um, so this is going to take, uh, several steps. One thing is we're going to have to go to the countries from which these migrants are emigrating and we're going to have to, um, uh, do what we can to assist them in, in, Stopping the flow, and this may mean uh, helping with governance, helping with their economies, um, perhaps uh, counter-gang or counter-drug uh, policies, and, and uh, there's all sorts of you know things we're going to have to do to help the countries of say Central America um, become vibrant. Uh, you know, Costa Rica would be exam- an example of a, a vibrant democracy down there where a lot of people aren't leaving because they're happy there. And and that's, that's one thing. The second thing is we're going to have to reform our immigration system. And this is going to be just an enormous lift. And I don't see it happening, quite frankly, um, given the filibuster rules in in the Senate, but we have, we have a a very clunky immigration system. Um, A lot of these people could perhaps be granted green cards rather than, Uh, be put on a path to citizenship so that if they're coming for economic reasons, they can work here and and yet return to their countries uh, at some future date. Um, We need to revise our visa system. A lot of people who remain in the United States simply overstay visas, and we have to track them better. Uh, We need more judges down on the border to uh, try or adjudicate these cases of, of immigrants coming in for um, refugee status. So there's a whole litany of things to do. And I think the Biden administration knows what it needs to do or what could be done, but getting it through Congress is uh, simply an impossible task at this point.
1: Yeah, it seems as though it's, it's, it's a daunting task. Like you said, I, I totally agree with you and uh, uh, hopefully, um, you know, the Senate will do the right thing. Um, just as, as much as the infrastructure uh, bill like you said as it relates to climate uh, change and, and you know they they really got to get that bill done um, so we can show how it works and, and, and be able to be at the forefront Afghanistan he just announced today um, now he said this prior to being president you know in terms of bringing the troops home fighting in these endless wars he calls them Afghanistan and and other places, um, you know, he 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 is committed to bringing the troops home, as you heard today. I think by the end of August, and at the same time, narrowly focusing on um, Al Qaeda and ISIS and 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 other, you know, sort of uh, bad actors out there that want to do harm to us and, and others across the board. But is this the right team, the right thing to do? And will we see more intelligence on the on the ground or more civilians? What do you? How do you think this is going to play out? And and is this the right time? Is August thirty first the right time to pull out? Especially if you're given a date and you know the Taliban is saying, "Okay, great, we'll wait wait you out to August 31st?
2: Yeah, the Taliban did that a long time ago. They did that when president obama directed a surge of forces into afghanistan in 2009 2010 and yet gave a timeline for their withdrawal and they they knew at that point that the united states was not there in afghanistan to stay um you know it's interesting that secretary of state colin powell uh, back before the iraq war talked about the pottery barn rule if you invade a country and depose its government now you 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 own it. In other words, you go to into Pottery Barn and you break something. You've bought it. Um, President Biden basically today said, uh, "I'm not abiding by that rule. We might have broken it, but we're not going to fix it. We didn't go there to nation build. We went there to to uh, bring Osama bin Laden to justice and to deny Al Qaeda safe haven. Uh, those um, uh, uh, objectives have been accomplished, and uh, therefore we're leaving. Now he he said something. I think that he didn't mean to say, but he said it anyway. He said, once I made the decision to end the war. And, in fact, he didn't make a decision to end the war. He made a decision to end the United States' involvement in the war. The war will go on, and it will get um, uh, pretty bloody. It could lead – well, Afghanistan is in a civil war now. We might as well just admit it.
3: Uh, And
2: um, it's going to – the war is going to continue. Um, U.S. involvement will be limited. Uh, going forward to um, funding the Afghan government, security forces, uh, diplomacy, trying to bring the two sides to some sort of political agreement, and uh, intelligence, um, and maybe occasional strikes against uh, terrorist targets. But uh, this war now firmly belongs to Ashraf Ghani and the Afghan government, and it's uh, questionable whether Um, they'll survive in the long run. In the short run, provided the funding continues, um, I don't see that government falling, much like it took a couple years before the South Vietnamese government fell. Um, And in the end, it only fell once our funding stopped. I think the same thing is um, operative in uh, Afghanistan. Uh, One of the things that he did spend a lot, the president did spend a lot of time talking about today was uh, Uh, Doing the right thing by the interpreters and others who have worked for the United States uh, in the conflict, bringing them uh, perhaps to a third country, but ultimately bringing them to the United States. And this is simply the right thing to do. Uh, We're talking about maybe 30,000 people, even if they bring their families. Um, It's it's a number that we can easily absorb in our society and economy, and uh, it tells. Uh, future allies, that we will take care of them as they side with us. So uh, kudos to the president for that.
1: It, just a follow up, though, he also went on to say that, you know, the Afghan army, I think 300,000, is, you know, they're trained and, you know, and, and some of their, their um, armed and Navy forces and all they have the, the type of equipment to stand on their own, essentially uh, uh, paraphrasing what he said. Um but there's some questions about that um Professor, because you I'm sure you know I mean the Taliban has those bombs and and tanks and and all of those things too and and we've seen the reports that some of those that part of the army those Afghans are they're standing down, they're giving up the equipment and they're going the other way um so is that accurate? is that fair and if if not? You know, how do they, they fight against the Taliban, not just the Taliban, but all these other groups that are there trying to trying to gain,
2: you know, various turfs in that country? So there's a, a lot of different factors that go into military effectiveness, but perhaps the most important are di- discipline, morale, and cohesion. And this is what we saw when ISIS invaded Iraq in 2014. The Iraqi forces were much better equipped uh, than than ISIS, which is driving in pickup trucks with machine guns mounted in the back. You know, that's not much of an army, but uh, the ISIS fighters were willing to fight and the Iraqi army was not. Um, So I think the same thing is true in Afghanistan. What we're going to see is the Afghan security forces are probably better equipped today than the Taliban. But right now it looks like the Taliban is willing to fight And it's unclear whether the Afghan army uh, will continue um, to fight at the same level they have been with U.S. support. So this, I think, is what will ultimately decide the conflict. If the Afghan people are willing uh, to put their lives on the line to prevent the Taliban takeover, uh, then the war will either stalemate or, or the Afghan government will succeed. If not, then the Taliban will ultimately take over. Um, and then we'll see what happens uh, going forward from there. They, they, you know, what kind of uh, government that they inflict on that country. Uh, I'm sad to say that there will be a, a lot of Afghans who suffer as a result, mainly the female portion of the population.
1: Yeah. Well, final thought with, um, you know, Israel has this new, you know, government, and they've had a couple of hiccups. Um, already um, there. How does this this government look in terms of um, the way they deal with the Palestinian uh, conflict and with this administration? Because we knew Netanyahu was not a big fan of President Obama. He warmed up to the other guy, and now Biden's in place. What what do you see in terms of that relationship?
2: Yeah, it's it's really unclear. Um I'm sure Biden would would support a two-state solution in the in the Middle East, but I'm not sure a two-state solution is in the offing given the growth of Israeli settlements and um um and the way they've treated uh, the Palestinians in in Gaza and the West Bank. I this is this is what we would call a wicked problem, a problem that can only be managed, it cannot be solved. Uh, neither si- on neither side, I think, is there really the willingness to make the, the sorts of sacrifices that would lead to s- some sort of political agreement um, that would form uh, the basis for a two-state solution or any kind of solution. Uh, the, Israel doesn't want to, it, you know, it wants the territory, but it doesn't want to admit Palestinians. Uh, into Israel as citizens because they would obviously form an enormous voting block. Um, it it doesn't want to give the Palestinians a state uh, because it, you know, wants to continue the, the settlement activity. Well, that basically denies the Palestinians any kind of uh, self-governing uh, authority. They, it denies them what most people on the earth have, which is a nation. Um, so, I think the Biden administration will put a lot of effort into solving this issue because I think it sees it the way I see it, which is uh, it's a sinkhole for um, political, uh, you know, for it's a sinkhole for effort with no result.
1: Uh, do you think, uh, final question, that we will go back until the Iran uh, nuclear deal? Uh, since uh, the other guy pulled us out,
2: uh, you know, I, I think that the Biden administration would like to. The, the problem is, is they are not simply going to turn back time and say, "Okay, we're going to lift sanctions and reenter the agreement as it was um, inked uh, four or five years ago." They need um, to have. Some, um, some new agreement uh, that would, um, you know, reward the United States for the effort it's put into uh, trying to fix the agreement, whether it be the, the length of, uh, of the agreement or Iran's behavior around the Middle East. Uh, I, I think right now the two sides are at loggerheads, which is why you see Iran backing uh, proxy militia activity in Iraq, uh, targeting uh, U.S. forces and our embassy there, with uh, rockets. Um, so, I think the Biden administration would like to reenter an agreement, but not under the exact same terms as uh, the Obama administration. And therein lies uh, an issue that's, uh, I don't think, is going to be solved anytime soon.
1: Mm. I, I do agree, and especially since the um, I think it was the uh, Iran Prime Minister didn't want to meet with. Uh, President Biden. So we'll see how that goes, Doctor Manso. Always a pleasure to have you on, sir. Thank you so much. You be safe.
2: Thanks, La. Have a great summer.
1: Appreciate you. All right. Bye bye. Sebastian News Radio. Show. Stay tuned.
4: and great day everyone. I am Elder Janelle Strickland, host of the Life Cafe radio broadcast from Maximizing Life Family
3: Worship Center. I invite you to tune in every Saturday from 5 to 6 p.m. Tune in, maximize your life with the Word of God, and be blessed. Only on the Bachelor News Radio Network.
1: to our website, thebasketnews.airtime.pro, the Pro, <clears throat> or you can catch it uh, rebroadcast at any of the other um, online outfits of tunein.com, Spotify, uh, Instagram, YouTube, and you name it. I want to bring in my guest. Always good to have him on. He's a syndicated talk show host and political scientist, all-around great guy. He's Dr. Umar J. the III, and Doc, I appreciate you coming on, sir. Hope all is well with you.
5: Hey, man, everything is uh, everything is everything, as they uh, as they say. Uh, hey, let me ask you something. Um, sure. I, I caught I caught the tail end of uh, the last conversation that you had. Uh, did, was your guest? Trying to say that the United States was correct in the uh, JCPOA negotiations?
1: Um, I didn't catch it, it. What part are you talking about? The, um... the the
5: very end. The the very end of the conversation, um, where he was he was talking about the difference between the Biden negotiations and and and, and what Biden was trying to do as it relates to Obama.
1: Yeah, he 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 was saying not going back in terms of sanctions and and things of that nature is what he said.
5: Well, can I can I get a minute on that? Sure, absolutely. He's as wrong as the day is long. <laughs> this, this, this is this is so simple. This is this is just so simple. And, and, and what that mentality, if I understood what he was saying, and I'll caveat this with if I misunderstood his point, then I will, I will greatly, duly apologize. But this is what the mindset of American exceptionalism does to you. Obama didn't enter into an agreement with Iran. The United States did. Obama just happened to be the president
3: of right. the United
5: States. The agreement was working just fine. All of the weapons inspectors, all of the other countries that were involved, everybody was pleased with the with, with the way that the agreement, the JCPOA, was functioning. Donald Trump, in his ignorance, Cancel the deal Right All Joe Biden has to do He could do this on a napkin with his signature All he has to do Is get back in the Dern deal Yep All of this other stuff that the United States Is trying to Enforce upon Iran Is totally irrelevant It has absolutely Nothing to do with the deal What has happened to Joe Biden is the Zionist government of Israel is in his ear and is telling him that he needs to operate based upon what is perceived to be the best interest of Israel, not the United States and not the world. That last guy was as wrong as the day is long
1: mm. especially when you look at um the uh new Israel administration if you will and and mm-hmm. you know the more things uh, change the more they stay the same, they um, say the same. Ha- absolutely hawkish hawkish and and once you know no no humanitarian um objective, at least for the Palestinian people, not the, not the, you know, the, the, the um, administration, but certainly, you know, not giving a darn about the people. Um, And it's always been about uh, Israel when it comes to us. We've always tried to say we want a two state solution, but really, we just want to give Israel everything that they want. um, And so you're right. You're right, and, 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 let me,
5: and, and let me let me wrap it up with this: the United States needs to remove its 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 sanctions on Iran. It needs to remove its sanctions on Cuba. It needs to remove its sanctions on Venezuela, and it needs to remove its sanctions on China. The sanctions regime does not work. It is economic warfare, and uh, I don't know. You, you'd have to you'd have to research a hell of a lot of history before you can find an, an incident where sanctions brought about the desired result. They don't work. Sanctions do not achieve the desired result. What sanctions do is they actually bolster the government that you're trying to overthrow because it's then when the, when the country starts to suffer
3: and the people
5: start to suffer, the president or the leader of the country says, it's not me, it's them. And it creates a greater sense of nationalism within the country so that the people that are, that are suffering, they now it becomes a matter of them versus us.
1: That's right. And and I, so, and ultimately so. the people get poor and hu- and they go hungry. So yeah, exactly. they they are going to say those Americans we hate Americans. Um, and you're right, it, exactly, exactly.
5: So I, I, again, I don't know who that dude was, but uh, on that point, homeboy is wrong as the day is long.
1: Professor at uh, Ohio State. He used to work with uh, well, General General Petraeus back in the Iraq War. He's a former okay, colonel. Well,
5: okay, well, that that okay. <laughs> then that explains it. That because what <laughs> he was giving you, he was giving you the standard BS US narrative. That's what he. That's that's where that comes from. Man, <laughs> what about? I wish what, I could have been on with him because I'd have whooped his behind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh.
1: Well, you know, Biden, one of the things he said in terms of his global um, stance in in terms of, uh, you know, protecting the American people, Um, he said, you know, an economic security is national security. He went on to, to talk about how. We need to get back to working together with other democracies across the, the, the world and confronting populists, nationalists, demagogues, and, and this growing autocratic, which, of course, the previous administration uh, wanted to be, this growing autocratic powers to divide these democracies. How do you think he's doing on that, or do you really think he's really concerned about that and fighting it globally?
5: Man, I I wish Pastor Williams had not put his hands on me and and gotten me to change my dialogue because I would cut (laughs) up a storm right now. Uh, (laughs) Joe Biden is the biggest liar in
0: the world.
5: All of that he laid out is BS. Because if that's what Joe Biden is about, then why is he supporting uh, the overthrow of the democratically elected president of Venezuela.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Why, Joe Biden, if if you're about, uh, I can, now I can't even remember the dude's name. If if you're if you're about uh, if you're about democracy, then why don't you al- why don't you allow the results of elections to stand freely? No, Joe. What the people of Venezuela said, apparently according to you, is not good enough um why why are you trying to over why did you just uh in the last week bomb syria because president al-assad won the election by 95 percent with over like 70 or 80 percent
0: of the people voting joe
5: biden is a liar plain and simple when he makes that he, – he, he was, he was, at the, at the, he was in, in Geneva with Putin, and, and he says during his press conference, what if the United States were to uh, get involved in other people's elections and the world knew it? Joe, newsflash, the world knows it. You're the only one that, that seems to have not remembered <laughs> what the United States does <laughs> in Ecuador, in Venezuela, in Bolivia, in Chile, in Colombia, in Syria, in Yemen. And you, uh, they apparently, and, and Joe, you, you you were napping when all of this stuff was going on.
1: Well, they did call him Sleepy Joe, but you know, uh, you, you talked about Chavez, Guevara, Maduro's, in and place. Um, duly elected. And again, this country is, is suffering. Juan Guaido.
5: The, guy, the guy's name is Juan Guaido. Right. Jo- Joe Biden comes out and says, we still support Juan Guaido as the president of Venezuela when the people in Venezuela don't support Juan Guaido. In fact, the party that Juan Guaido represented lost in the um, parliamentary elections. So not only so so not only do they not like O, they don't even like his party.
1: So they want it, so, right? Huh? The people, the people.
5: Yeah, that's why he's yeah. still
1: the president. Right.
5: That's why he's still the president. And and so to your audience, folks, please understand something. I'm giving you the facts. This is not my opinion. I'm giving you – my opinion is based upon the facts, which unfortunately Rachel Maddow and all them other folks on MSNBC, they don't want to talk about this stuff. But if you do a little reading, this is the reality. I'm not making this stuff up. This is the reality.
1: Yep, you're absolutely right. Um, what do you make? And you talk about hypocrisy well, when when you look at the Biden administration hosting uh, Saudi Arabia's uh, powerful, very powerful crown prince. What does that What does that say about the situation in Yemen? Are we siding with the Saudis on this? When they, when he rolls out the the red carpet um, uh, for the crown prince to come through, I mean obviously, you know we've seen presidents before uh, host the Saudis and and others, but with with the the clashes in Yemen and and what the slaughters going on there, what does this say about this administration?
5: Oh, you mean Biden hosting uh, Prince Mohammed Bonesaw? Right. From th- that guy? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I want to be sure we we're talking about the same guy. Um, what, what this says is that Joe Biden is an imperialist and that Joe Biden is an elitist and that everything that Joe Biden says about equality and about human rights and about free and fair elections is garbage. Because you don't judge a man by what he, what he says. You judge a man by what he does. So the United States could stop the atrocities in Yemen in less than a week. All, if he's going to bring Mohammed Bonesaw over here, all he's got to do is tell him, look, dude, we're not going to provide you logistical information anymore. We're not going to supply air. We're not going to refuel your, your fighters in, in, uh, in flight. And we're not going to maintain your aircraft anymore. We're not going to do that. The war would end in three days. And the Mm. United Nations has already declared the atrocities in Yemen to be the worst uh, uh, man-made humanitarian catastrophe in history. That's not me talking. That's the United Nations talking. I'm not making this up. That's what the U. So people have to ask themselves, why would Joe Biden, as the president of the United States, back a murderous country like Saudi Arabia that is being led by Prince Mohammed Bonesaw? Why are we backing them? Why are we selling them hundreds of millions of dollars of weapons? that enable them to commit the worst humanitarian man-made crisis in history the answer yeah, really? is raytheon boeing uh uh and all the other defense contractors that's what this is about that's what this yeah. is about this is about selling weapons. And to your audience, do you, do, you, do you notice it's black people that are on the wrong end of this deal? When you look at the yeah. people of Yemen, they look like you. Right. They look like you. They're not doing this in France. They're not doing this in Sweden. They're not doing this in Australia maybe to the aborigines they're not doing this in austria they're doing it to black people
1: yep and and, and doc that brings me to speaking of black people people of color the assassination in haiti um oh. total chaos there how do you see um that playing out, I know they got the interim prime minister, I believe, in in charge right now to get through the elections. How do you see that playing out? And speaking of which in, in places of color, what does the Biden administration need to do to assist in this?
5: To assist in what? They're the ones that killed him. Assist in ah. what? The United States is responsible for the plight of Haiti. There's an article in today's New York Times I don't recall the title But there's a there's an article And it is one of the worst Pieces of garbage Written By what is known as The newspaper of record The New York Times
6: <laughs>
5: Where they talk about All the money that's gone to Haiti And, and why Haiti Can't seem to get it together And the international uh, funding sources won't turn off the spigot to Haiti because they are using Haiti as a money laundering scheme. Mm. I believe I didn't think this on the front end, but I, 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 I've had, I've talked to some folks and I've had a day or so to think about this. Um, First of all, uh, Jovenel Moise, the, the the now dead president of Haiti. Right. He didn't learn the lesson of Manuel Noriega. He didn't learn the lesson of uh, who's the dude in Iraq, um, um, the former president of Iraq that we went in and brutalized. Uh, oh, um, it, Osama um, bin Laden. No, no, no,
6: no yeah. bin Laden. Um, Saddam.
5: No. Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein. Mm-hmm. Moise didn't learn the lesson of, of Noriega in Panama. He didn't learn the lesson of uh, of, uh, Nori- of uh, the other dude in in, in a, you know the, the united states no the United States uh uses dictators until they've served their purpose, and then they execute them. I mean history is replete with examples of this. So so this is what I think happened. Now I don't know why the US did this, but there's a there was an there was an internal battle going on within the Haitian elite. So you've got like those who are siding with the Clintons, and then you've got those who are siding with other factors and forces. And Jovenel Moise got caught in the middle. So they did to Moise what they did to Aristide. They went in, and they told him, look, it's time for you to go. Now, Aristide was smart, and he erred on the side of life. And he said, okay. It's kind of like in The Godfather, where where, uh, Michael Corleone is telling the story in Godfather 1. He's telling the story to Kate about uh, he's explaining – uh, who Luca Brasi is, and he says, um, oh, and, he, and he's talking about his uh, uh, the, the Don's god godson, and he says, you know, okay. there was this band leader that 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 w- wouldn't let him out of his contract. So my fa- my dad went to see him, and the guy told him no, and so then my dad went back, but this time he went with Luca Brasi, and my father told him, look, either your signature or your brains are going to be on the contract.
6: Mm-hmm. So
5: so. Aristide erred on my signature. I think the crew rolled up on on Moise and said, Look, dude, it's time for you to go. And he said, No, I'm not going. And then they shot him sixteen times. Hmm. So uh so it's a it's a it's a ugly, ugly game. Right. And I don't know who who Mois thought he was. And I don't know who he thought he was messing with, but uh, he, he 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 found out, and and now it's kind of sloppy because they let his wife live.
1: Right. Although she took not three that shots not, too, but <laughs> well, no,
5: not that they let her. Well, here's the thing: you shoot him 16 times, and you walk out of the house, and she's not dead. You all didn't go to Hitman class 200. You all obviously slept through 101 because in <laughs> Hitman class 200, you learn no one leaves alive.
6: Yeah.
5: No one if there's a dog, you shoot the dog. <laughs> if there's a cat, you shoot the cat. You don't leave anybody in there alive. Right. Now the folks that they say that they caught and they rounded up that's that's the light work. Those are the those are the local yokels. This is what happened. The hit team flew in, landed at the airport, got in their cars, went to his crib, knocked on the door, shot him up, got in the car, went back to the airport, they're out of town. Mm that's how That's how the game works. that's how the game works yep so yeah it... hey man, you know the united States look, the United States is intentionally destabilizing haiti. People don't realize haiti from what a number of geologists will tell you. Haiti is sitting on more oil than Venezuela. And Venezuela is thought to be sitting on the largest oil reserves in the world. There's more oil in Venezuela than there is in Saudi Arabia. And wow. there are geologists who will tell you there's more oil off the coast of Venezuela than there is, in, I'm sorry, off the coast of Haiti than there is in Venezuela. Venezuela. There's gold in Haiti. There's timber in Haiti. There are a lot of natural resources on the island of Hispaniola, which is why the Clintons are so involved in Haiti. And Hillary's brother is is part of a Canadian uh, mining conglomerate that is trying to, if they haven't already gotten their hands on mining interests in
1: Haiti. Doc, um, I did get a question. I have one more before um, I'm done, but I did get a question from from Nick in Stanford uh, who, who asked, um, do you think uh, the – no, he said, I'm sorry, how do you think the infrastructure bill will look and is – infrastructure a part of national security
5: infrastructure is a huge part of national security when you talk about the electric grid when you talk about water systems and when you talk about the the highway in fact uh go back and look at why who designed the national highway system dwight eisenhower why mm-hmm. because uh dwight eisenhower and when you look at the, at the height of bridges and the width of lanes, it all has to do with transporting military equipment across the country. So the height of bridges and the width of lanes all had to do with the size of military vehicles and being sure that you could get military vehicles from point A to point B. So that was the, that was the rationale behind the design of the American highway system. So that's one example of the answer yes to your to your caller. Now, here's what people need to understand about the infrastructure bill. There are two words in the infrastructure bill that people need to pay attention to: asset recycling. When you look at the when you, when you when 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 they're asked the question. Well, how is all of this going to be paid for since Joe Biden, candidate Joe Biden, told us on the campaign trail that he was going to pay for the infrastructure bill by what? Raising taxes on the wealthy. Well, we knew that was BS, but, but he told us that. And, and people believed that, oh, he's going to raise taxes on the wealthy and he's going to get uh, corporations, he's going to raise the corporate income tax, and he told us all of that. And now, of course, we know Mitch McConnell told him it's not going to happen, and everybody does what Mitch McConnell says. So now, if you look into the uh, infrastructure bill, two words, asset recycling. What does that mean? It's a very nouveau riche way of saying privatization, neoliberalism. Mm-hmm. They're going to sell a lot of these infrastructure assets to the private sector, which is what they've been trying to do all along anyway. I'm going to say that again. Asset recycling. Look it up. It's in the bill. That's what it means. They're going to sell the asset. Imagine if Nestle bought the Michigan water system. What if they sold the Tennessee Valley Authority electric grid? What if they sold Hoover Dam to to Jeff Bezos? Mm-hmm. That's what they're talking about. That's wow. what they're talking about, and Wow is right.
6: <laughs> Think
5: about Greece. Think about what happened. What happened with Greece when Greece with with, with the um. Austerity measures that they that they imposed upon Greece. I think I think I got to check this, but I think Greece had to sell the Parthenon to the World Bank. Hmm. You hear me, folks?
1: Just to get a flow, Steve. You're right. I remember that. Yep.
5: Greece had to sell an antiquity. They had to sell the Parthenon. Imagine if Italy had to sell the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Think about if the mm-hmm. Vatican had to sell the Vatican.
1: And you're right, Doc. We already see privatization in, in schooling you know, in education and, and certainly prisons. And some of our, our some of our well-to-do blacks uh, have play a part in those prisons, prisons that, of course, are overpopulated by people of color. So if they do it there in terms of selling it off, right, if you will, then they certainly, I can see the Hoover. When you said the Hoover Dam, you think like, wow. <laughs> you know, think I about mean, that. that will be Here's something. One.
5: Here's one. I, I don't know if they have this in North Carolina, and I say this honestly because I don't know. An easy pass. Do you have when you when you traverse the roads in North Carolina? Do you have to have an Easy Pass in your car to get to get access to some roads? And, and...
1: absolutely, <laughs>
5: folks. Yep, that's what this is. The, the Easy Pass is privatization. The road that you need the Easy Pass on, or the bridge that you need the Easy Pass to cross. In some instances, particularly as it relates to roads, the construction of the road was a joint venture between the state and private interest. And so the private interest is allowed to charge you a fee to traverse the road so that the private interest can get a guaranteed profit from their investment. Guaranteed profit. From their investment Now conservatives love And capitalists love to talk about the free market system In a free market system You don't get a guaranteed profit But in the world Of neoliberalism The private interest Turns to the government Starts performing Government function At a profit A guaranteed Minimum profit Now on bridges, it can be a different issue. The bridges might just be the toll collection process that the state has now contracted out to the private interest. So the state still owns the bridge, but the toll collection process goes to a private interest. But when you sell your water system or your electric grid, To the private sector, who then sets the price for water and electricity, because the entity that invested in that has to make a profit.
6: Mm.
1: If you're just joining us, we got a couple other questions, Doc. But if you're just joining us, we're talking with Dr. Wilmer J. Leon, the third here on the Basser News Radio Show. Doc Marcus and Philly um said, talk about the racial disparities in climate change in, in places of color. Um he said we always hear about climate change and we're back in the Paris uh, deal and 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 climate change in terms of how we uh use our cars and, and all of this, but they don't talk specifically how uh it's just disproportionately um negatively impacting uh places of color when it comes to fixing the climate change or having uh you know poor communities by you know factories that put out all that carbon and all those different things so talk about that
5: well let me say that that is an area that is not one of the areas that i have that that i, that I specialize in uh and so i don't want to take up a lot of time Uh, trying to figure out an answer to something that is not really in my purview. Mm -hmm. But I will say this, that climate change is the great equalizer because when it's 124 degrees in Phoenix, I don't care what neighborhood you live in in Phoenix, it's 124 degrees. (laughs) When, When sea level rises four feet, Along the coast of Florida, I don't care what neighborhood you live in. You're um, Pastor Williams. I'm not gonna do that. You, Your behind <laughs> is underwater. <laughs> so, so I, I, I understand. I understand Marcus's question, but honestly, that's not my area of expertise. I will just say that with the melting of the glaciers, with the Horrific, intense heat That we're finding now In the west and in the midwest And with sea level rise It's 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 come to Jesus Time and it's come to Jesus Time for Lottie, Dade and everybody
1: <laughs> Hey, you can say that <laughs> <laughs> That uh, I know You know The, the final oh, question but, but, is but a but bunch Wait a minute, wait a
5: minute I'll add one more thing but we do know that in these situations, people of color are always disproportionately impacted. We know that. We know right. that. But 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 again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take any more time on that because that's not my area.
1: I know your area is this question. It came from a bunch of people, <laughs> including myself. Which is, um, you know, President Biden's announcement today to pull out um, troops out. From uh, Afghanistan by the end of August, um, two things is, is this strategically the right move and right move now, and also he talked about how well trained the Afghan army is the three hundred thousand that they can you know stand on their feet and do a good thing and all reports I know and heard is that they you know not only are not completely trained but when they're facing the Taliban in, in certain cases in what is it eighty thousand ninety thousand taliban maybe more but you know when they're facing them, that they you know they stand down in a lot of ways they give up their 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 guns in some cases so what's your thoughts on the biden's administration move making this move now and you know the afghan army um being well equipped to uh, to, to fight the taliban what
5: did that brilliant african-american philosopher Mike Tyson say everybody can fight until they get punched in the face
0: and so the Afghan army is trained but everybody can fight till they get punched in the face the United States has wasted thousands of lives trillions of dollars On what?
5: On what? We were there 20 years. We were in Afghanistan 20 years. And we've now got our hind parts whooped the same way we
0: did in Vietnam. For what?
5: So that Raytheon can make more money. So that Boeing can make more money so that Lockheed Martin can make more money. That's what this was all about, the military-industrial complex. If Osama bin Laden, after 9-11, was the one that pulled off that horrific
0: event, we could have sent
5: 20 uh, Navy SEALs in there. And tracked his behind through Torabora, and and hit him with a sniper shot. We didn't have to invade the country. The country wasn't the, wasn't involved in the in the in the atrocity. Right. If if the if the story that we're told is true, and if it was Osama bin Laden, then we just should have gone in there and taken him out. You didn't have to invade the country in order to do that. George Bush – remember, folks, George at the time, George Bush was losing the – he was – his his public support numbers were in the toilet, and it was feared that he would lose the next election. And the calculus was the country doesn't turn on a president in wartime. So Afghanistan became the place to go. And now, after 20 years and a and trillion dollars wasted and thousands of people dead, and, not, and if you start counting Af- Afghanis, hundreds of thousands of people dead, now we're pulling out. So is it the time to go? The time to go was 20 years ago. Mm. The time to go was never to have gone. That was the time to go. And the Taliban is doing what the Taliban do. Look, folks, Alexander the Great couldn't conquer that region with war elephants. What makes us think that we're smarter than Alexander the Great and we can go? I wrote a piece about this years ago. What makes us think that we're smarter than Alexander the Great and that because you replace war elephants with F-16s, that all of a sudden that makes us smarter than him No There are certain places in the world Certain places in the world Certain cultures You just don't mess with Mm-hmm. And you've got historical record to explain to you why There's a reason That nobody has conquered that region There's a reason for that. Unfortunately, American arrogance, American hubris, all of these ridiculous ideologies or, or, or philosophies of American exceptionalism and white man's burden and all of that other white supremacist B.S., that is in the minds of these sick people like Joe Biden and all these other folks, oh, we can just go in there and we can bomb them off the map. Raytheon has not made enough bombs in the history of Raytheon. Obviously. The Russians couldn't do it. Oh, the Russians couldn't do it, but we're gonna go in here and do it. Mm. You didn't do it in Vietnam. What
3: makes you think especially when
1: you have especially if you have kamikazes ready to 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 fly out and, hey, and go to their death and and you see that with with al qaeda and everybody else uh and, you know and the taliban Minister certain Farrakhan
2: country.
5: Minister Farrakhan gave a speech at the Howard Inn right before the United States went into Iraq and, and and Minister Farrakhan said he said you can't win this he was talking about Iraq but the same thing applies to Afghanistan he said you can't win this with your technology. You can't win this with your technology. He said you're going to he said the first week, the first two weeks you got this. He said, "But eventually you're going to have to bring your soldiers in here." And when you bring your soldiers in here, you've met your end. He said, because American soldiers don't have the heart that these Muslims have. He said, American soldiers aren't built for that. You you're in the he said, you're in the army. Why? Because you couldn't get a job and you don't want to sell drugs and you don't want to be a thief, so you go into the army. He said, You didn't sign up for this. This is not he says Now, he didn't say this, but this is the point. What's the objective of an American soldier? To come back home the same way they went in. Mm -hmm. That's the objective. I'm going to do my time, and then I'm going to get out. That's the objective of an American soldier. You go in there and mess with them Taliban, They are about their business. Minister Mm -hmm. said, "You you ain't ever fought a soldier with the heart of a Muslim. He said, you're fighting God in a man. He said, they believe what they're about. You've never come across a soldier that will lay down in front of a tank and blow himself up to blow up the tank. That's not how American soldiers are taught to fight.
1: And, of course, I'm getting some negative feedback on, you know, America's soldiers are the, the greatest in the world and how how, how dare she he and say man, that. God, hey, and
3: look, look, folks, look,
5: folks, don't get wrapped up in the emotion. Don't get wrapped up in that emotion. I am not talking about the individual person. I am not in any way shape or form impugning the character of any of those soldiers that's not what I'm saying what I'm saying is the missions that those soldiers have been sent on are missions of folly they are missions of imperialism and they are running up against forces that they were never prepared to fight and if Amen I'm wrong, that. why did we lose Vietnam? And if I'm wrong, why did we lose in Afghanistan?
1: Great point. Don't get caught I'm up in you. that
5: emotion.
1: And and they do, people do. Um, I know they but do. They, they do the research and stuff, you know, before you Thank get you. caught up in those emotions. That's the easiest you. thing. Uh, you know, prove, prove us wrong if if that's the if that's the case. Go look it up. I mean, that's that's always the premise of my show on show show. Uh, Sure, with Dr. Leon, too Doc, uh, before you go Who do you have on this weekend, if you know And uh, how people can get the book, sir
5: Oh, well, let's see I got Kwaku Lumumba coming on to talk About uh, Haiti I've got uh, Ruby Sales Coming on to talk about why black people Got caught up in the Bill Cosby scam Uh, Oh, man We got got some good stuff I got Dr. Joe Horn Coming to talk about uh, Israel Uh, Got a lot of good stuff coming on 11 to 2 uh, Saturday Sirius XM 126 Urban View And the book Politics and Other Perspectives Commentary and Analysis on Race War Ethics and the American Political Landscape in the Age of Obama And if anybody wants to engage me in this conversation about soldiers bring me back on man bring those people on the line and let's rap about it because don't Mm -hmm. get caught up in your emotions don't don't misunderstand what I'm telling
1: you. Right, they 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 hear something that that uh, they're getting caught up in what you said, but not the message behind it is what. Absolutely, they, they always, we got a lot of our
5: hind parts whooped in Afghanistan. If American soldiers are all that, why are we leaving with our tails between our legs? Why isn't the Taliban vanquished? And don't tell me because we got to spend another twenty years there to get them.
1: 20 years, please. Good point, Doc. Uh, Appreciate you coming (laughs) on, man. We'll get you on next week and actually talk about this some more. You got it. Thanks, Doc. Take care. All right. All right. I'm out. Dr. Wilbur J. Leon on the Bassin News Radio Show. Stay tuned.
2: You know, before Boost, our phone bill was obscene. So, we switched to Boost and got lines for the whole family with unlimited gigs for a much more family-friendly price. It's nice to have a phone bill that doesn't require
1: parental controls. Your family deserves better. Get four lines for only $25 per line, each with unlimited gigs. Plus, get up to four free Samsung J7 perks with six months of Hulu where you can stream all the shows everyone is talking about. All on the super reliable and super fast nationwide network. Boost makes it easy to switch. Switching makes it easy to save. I had to rock some Jay Z for my next guest. Of course, always good to have him on. From New York, man. From one New Yorker to another, Jay Z to to this man. Of course, uh, owner of Pure Sports New York and NBA analyst and and reporter, and of course a best-selling author of children's books, uh, My Hero series as well. Good to have him on. He's Joe Hoover. Hoover, I appreciate you, man. I had to play a little Jay Z for you coming in. I appreciate that, brother. I appreciate it. It's always nice to be
4: to be back. It's also uh, nice to hear some, some familiar stuff, and uh, so that's that's
6: a good
1: thing. <laughs> yeah, especially when he's in the beginning. In the, in the beginning, he goes. Ladies and gentlemen, put our hands
3: together
1: for this so, so that one from, that was my ladies and gentlemen introduction to you, uh, Gerald Hoover. <laughs> um Uh, I hope all is well. Listen, I I wanted to touch quickly on, on the NBA and, you know, I I can't figure out, I want to start with the teams that lost in the conference finals. that didn't make it to the finals and start with the Clippers. I I can't figure this team out. I I don't know, you know, if it's, if it's the coaching or the players, the franchise itself, you know, they were lovable losers. They were the, the step kids in L.A., and, and to a certain degree still is, because they haven't won anything. But they seem to play better when they're really down, and then they catch up, and they struggle again. What, what's the issue with this franchise? Well, with um, respect to
4: Doc Rivers and everything else, Ty Lue took them further than they ever been. And, right. and 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 Now, all things being equal, I mean, you could say this with any, almost any team, but if the Clippers were healthy. I'm talking about Serge Ibaka, Kawhi Leonard, and they had the dog they had playing. This, this, this I mean, they, they, they're in the finals. You know what I mean? And, and and to be honest with you, I really think, I really think that they they would have beaten a healthy LA with LeBron and AD because for some reason, I mean, AD is a superstar player, but he he, he he, I don't trust him even when he's fully healthy. To be honest, right. with you. And, and I'm talking about in a full-out, real pressure spot. I don't trust him, and I'm talking about even at full health. So I think if they were healthy, Dallas wouldn't have given them – I mean, God, I mean that, that Luka Doncic kid is, is for real.
2: I mean, so Dallas
4: would have, you know, given them a problem. But shoot, they won games without him. I mean, I mean without, I mean they, you know, they beat Dallas without a full deck. You know what I mean? So I think with them, uh, um. It was about injuries. Now, what's was a little scary? You think about it. Doc Rivers, I mean, Tyloo took the same team and got it went further. Right. I mean, I, I don't. The bubble, you know, was, was a little obscure because it was what it is. But, but if you look at what Doc did, and I love Doc. I mean, I really do. I love Doc. But if you look at what happened with Philadelphia, and Atlanta, to me, that series was lost Game Three. Game Three, when Philly came out like a days ago. Well, actually, no, no. What was that game when they, they were up twenty six? Was it was that game? That um, game. Five? I think it might
1: have been Game Five. Oh, oh, I think oh, oh, it was.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. But the series was lost before that. But to me, they just had a lackadaisical uh, approach to playing Atlanta. It's almost as if they felt like we, we got the series in the in the bag. You know what I mean? They didn't come out with any intensity. I mean, I know Ben Ben Simmons had his struggles, but. Aside from that, I just think that they really didn't come out with any power, and any any urgency. You know what I mean? And because when you're up twenty six and lose like that, and you're not making any adjustments, it's almost like what Doc did last year in the bubble. You're up three one, all of a sudden the, the team is going to come back. You sat you sat there like you Phil Jackson, you know, figuring that figuring that the team was going to work itself out. It didn't do that. So Tyloo <laughs> is always thinking, and he makes adjustments on the fly.
1: Right, he, he makes a really good yeah, adjustments. Yeah, he he, so, he told me that he's a good coach. And let me ask you this, because it, in terms of injuries and and getting to the finals, Milwaukee, you can say the same thing about Milwaukee. Not only one series, but two. You know, you know, Brooklyn had him on the ropes a little bit, and they started getting mm-hmm. hurt. And then mm-hmm. you saw Trey Young go down, and, and here we are. Milwaukee's yeah. there. Are they a product of you know injuries of the other teams, or did you think they could get there yeah. with the other teams' this uh, full yeah. strength?
4: And, and, and speaking of injury, like you just said, had Kyrie been the way the way Brooklyn was playing them first two games, if Kyrie doesn't go down in Game Three, was it Game Three he went down? No, was it Game was it Game Two? Kyrie it was down, two,
1: I believe. Yeah, yeah,
4: guess yeah, I was at home. If Kyrie, yeah, I was at home. If Kyrie doesn't go down, the way they were play I mean, they were a they were a machine with just Kyrie and KD. I mean, what they were doing was like well-oiled machine. Now, of course, you know adjustments make in in, a, in a Game Three probably would have been a tougher series, but I mean, they almost won Game Three even without you, you know what I mean, even without Kyrie. You right. know what I mean, and, and and you know, and then James came and limped limped his way through it. But if if Brooklyn was healthy, they would have got they it would have been them and Phoenix. But again, you could talk about health or you know or, 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 or everything, but they were probably the most potent team. And what I did like the way they played against uh, Milwaukee, they came out with purpose. They was like, now nah, we ain't we ain't messing with y'all. If we can get you, if we can get you out in four, we're gonna do that. Because games one and two, they, were, they, they pretty much well, well game one was, was tough, but game two, they came out and, not, and annihilated them. I mean, I mean, they, they, they came out like gangbusters, but health is a problem see, these, these injuries, LA. were freakish stuff, stepping on feet and all that kind of stuff and twisting your ankle. Now, the hardened thing, I'm going to tell you what doesn't surprise me with this. Do You remember when you know, Harden is always known as a guy that plays 48 minutes. I mean, he he does not come like out the game. He plays. I, I give him that. He don't take shorts. But the problem with this was that he was so disenchanted about playing in Houston. He didn't come in in shape. I mean, he had he had a YMCA body, and I, and I'm not saying that would affect me. I mean, he, you know, no, I'm talking about I'm talking about. Role, what we Weekend Warrior YMCA guy? You know what I mean? Like uh, all, all all he needed was. A torn off uh, a t shirt and and, and a headband. You know, know, I sweatband, I sweatband, sweatband. sweatband. I mean, he had that kind of body. It was almost like, dude, you put on twenty pounds. But see, Mm -hmm. then, then, then he was playing himself into shape. That's that's another thing. He plays up in the shape. It worked for a while, but then again, it didn't. And and at the time when they really really needed him, hamstring goes out, which was like crazy. But the man wasn't in shape. And, and you know my hamstring injury. Hamstring injuries usually come when you overdirt yourself, when your body isn't ready to do it. Because most people, most people there, I mean, you could tweak certain things, but you almost like, like, like LeBron. He tweaked his growing. And we know LeBron stays in shape. But he pulled right. himself a certain way when he tweaks his growing. I, I, think, I think he tore it, to be honest with you. I, I, think, I think the groin was torn, Right? i talking about last year. Oh, the well, year before last. But the hamstring really comes when you keep pushing the envelope and your body ain't ready to do that.
3: But right. you do it anyway.
4: And so he came to, the, he came to Brooklyn trying to play himself in the shape, and it really his ugly head at the wrong time. You know what I mean? I mean, that was the wrong time. But I think if, been, if they, were, they were healthy, I think, I think the East would have been won by, by Brooklyn because, like, like, matter of fact, like Doc Rivers, this guy boot hoses don't make adjustments. He stayed where he right. is. That's it. He just, he, yeah. I'm, I'm like, bro, you don't. He's like, no, I believe. It's almost like he believes in his guys too much, and that's it. Sometimes, Pat Roddy, you, you're a New Yorker, Pat Roddy, right? Pat Roddy made that same mistake in 94. Instead of, mm-hmm. of him pulling Starks out of the game when he was 2 for 17 and putting him black men just to make one or two shots. If, if, if the Knicks would have got three baskets, two baskets, they won that championship. They won that one. But some 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 coaches don't aren't innovative enough to make make a make adjustments on the fly, and it hurts them.
1: If you're just joining us, we we'll talk with Gerald Hoover, talkers of NBA hoops on the Bassett News Radio Show, WCOM in Chapel Hill, IBM TV, and Big Mind Entertainment. Hoover, let's stay with our teams. Uh, you talked about the Knicks. Listen, uh, we talked earlier about this team. I, I'm just so proud of this team and this franchise, uh, and I hope they don't go do go back to this. With all due respect, to Isaiah way or or the old way where Dolan was bringing and these washed up veterans or these veterans on on the other side of whatever, and and mess with the the young talent and nucleus of this team. I think they got the right coach. I think he learned being out of coaching to you got to relate to these young guys specifically. And, and not be so hard and just let them go out and let their God-given abilities take over. But I'm so proud of this team. And it really had a, a chance. If they, if they didn't lose uh, that first game, um, I thought that would have set the tone. They would have beat Atlanta. And who knows after that. But uh, talk about the, the Knicks and how they played this year. Set so their season. Yeah, the, the Knicks, man, they were a joy
4: to watch. Um uh, you know they 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 and I agree with you. Tibbs learned a lot by being out. Um, the the guys that they brought in, you could tell they were carefully scouted. I mean the Obi Toppin situation. Give it give it give it give it give it time because he he didn't have a training camp. Um, he almost he's really was kind of playing out of position. So and then it was pressure on him. But I think next year I really think that with him being on select the select team, him having to, him him going to participate in the summer league, I think and this kid works hard. I believe he's gonna have a, a great year even if he came off the bench. He's gonna have I, I think him and quickly will form a nice you know six or seven man type of tandem. Um, and I agree with you, the Knicks cannot go to Isaiah Thomas way, which I think I don't think they will do that. Now give it I'll give Phil credit for this. He put the kibosh on that mortgaging away your future with these first round picks. Now remember, back in the day, they didn't have first round picks. Now we have an abundance of them. To where now in this draft we have four we have four selections. I think now if you're gonna take 19 and 21 and package that and move up, I'm with you. You know what I mean? Or if you're gonna take 20, maybe 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 21 and the 32nd pick and move up? I'm with you. But because I don't think they're in a position where they need to draft four players. You know why I say that? That's a waste in some ways. Not only that, it's only 60 guys who are going to get drafted. And if you're looking at a big board, you probably got about a pool of maybe 70, 80 NBA players that can probably make a roster or, or on some level. So, you get un- so you'll get some undrafted free agents and kind of move on from there anyway. But that being said, uh, this team with, with, with uh, Wild Wild West and, and uh, World Wild West, I'm sorry, and, and, and um, Rose, they're, they're not going to do anything stupid. And i am and be honest with you, I don't think they'll pull the trigger on a Damon Lilly situation, especially if it means giving up all that stuff, because it doesn't make sense to do that. You know what I mean? And, and, and we're still paying. Get, get, I'm going to tell you something that, that's, that's deep, L.A. The Denver Nuggets are still benefiting from that mellow trade. Mm. You know why because if I'm not I'm mistaken the second-round pick that they got From the Knicks was jo- the Joker because yeah. when what Messiah when when Isaiah and Dolan got involved with that trade situation because Donnie Donnie Wolf wanted to chill and the mellow Mello messed messes up too because Mello was all about his money Mello was worried about The the CBA being different, and he won't get the money, and then he wants to go to the Knicks instead of being like LeBron, right? LeBron, every time he moved, he knew he was leaving, but he left at the end of the year so that the team wouldn't have to trade all his assets. Now, just think if Mello would have waited 27 games, because it was only 27 games last in the season, waited 27 games and came to New York as a free agent, you had Gallo, you had Wilson Chandler, you had Ray Felton, you had Mozgov, you had, and you had your first round picks. You could have got, you could have gotten Chris Paul here. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. could, done, so so much. The narrative could have been so different, but yet you play bully ball, and so Masai was like, okay, I was gonna, I was gonna let him go for so and so, but now now you're pressuring me. Now I want two first round picks, and I want like two second round picks, plus I want five players, and I'm gonna send you mellow, but I'm gonna send you two slow guys. That won't fit your system. So, Masai, 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 Jerry, he screwed them royally. But one of them picks was Joker, and I think the other one, I'm not sure if it was, it was Jamal or the other one, Gary, the one they let go. But but, but long long story short, Detroit, Denver is still benefiting from that mellow trade. Because if you think about mm. it, since that mellow trade, the Nuggets have been going upward. The Knicks have been going downward or up and down or whatever. Since that mellow trade, that mellow trade them on a course of foolishness so that's why I really believe Rose and those other boys that have been there will be very very smart and not make a make and make a, a dumb move like that like they did before I really believe they'll do that because David Lillard's not going to bring him a championship by itself
1: well, let me let me ask you to stay on on Lillard. You mentioned him. There's also the rumors rumors. You know better. You got the inside scoop better. That um, they're trying to bring Westbrook here. So I don't want Lillard or Westbrook because I like I said I think it messes with the, the core uh, of the um, you know their rotation and and what they have going going moving forward. And don't get rid of Julius Randle. Do do not get rid well, of him.
4: Well. One thing about rumors, sometimes, and I've learned this and it's been this somebody can put something on the internet and it goes viral and gets stupid. I mean, it, it just—that's that, how crazy it is. This, right. And I'm and no disrespect, no no disrespect to a Hall of Famer, but Westbrook doesn't help any team he plays on. I'm just I'm being real with you. I don't care about the triple doubles because a lot of a lot of those assists are in transition. And of course, I'm not a hater, but I'm just being honest. A lot of those assists are in transition and they're long passes for quick layups. It's not necessarily it's not necessarily ball movement, body movement, let me let me set you somewhere and then good. Magic Johnson made you better. Right? If if he had a triple double, guys got better. Okay? If LeBron gets a triple double, for the most part, guys got guys got better. This Westbrook stuff,
0: who's getting better on his team? I'm waiting. You know what I mean? I'll wait. Who who actually gets better on his team? K D ran away from
4: him. Ran, see, this is why I mean, MK don't need me to to, to, to take up for him, but this is why I get mad when people, even if Stephen A. Smith, we got, got up there uh, bloviating. I'm using the word about with Kevin Durant. There was a weak move. I, I mean, I'm surprised Kevin Durant's mom didn't slap him in the face, but because it was, I think it was unnecessary to say that. But he was going to Golden State regardless. He just so happened to play them in the playoffs, but he was going there regardless. If he would have. If if, this, if they were lost against the Spurs 3-1, he was still going to Golden State. Why? Because he wanted to go to a team to where he can be efficient, where he didn't have to shoot 30 times and do all that kind of stuff. He doesn't like that. When Westbrook gets these triple-doubles, he's going for like 11th for 26, stuff like that. I mean, he's shooting the ball a bunch of times. I mean, he doesn't make a team better, and he doesn't have a jump shot. And the worst thing about that, he makes over $40 million. And newsflash, if the Knicks wanted him that bad, they could have got him last year. Remember, he was available. They just happened to do the John Wall thing for him. And the only reason why I believe they sweetened it up with a first-round pick, because I don't think Westbrook is that much better than John Wall to where he could have had to come with a first-round pick. The fact that John Wall had a bad wheel, John Wall was damaged goods, but they still made the trade anyway because they got a first-round pick out of it. But John, And, and then their salaries match. Their salaries were basically identical. Because there was no other players really involved in that. I mean, that really that that uh, really uh, that had to be that had to be significant. Both of them was making over forty million, so it was, just, it was just a matter of just matching it up. But they added a first round pick to that. But he he didn't have to he didn't have the Wizards really get that much better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so Westbrook's Westbrook situation. I don't see that because they could have got they, they could have got him last year, and then not for nothing you saw how he played this year. Why would you bring him to your team and you already need three-point shooting and you're going to bring it, come with a guy that shoots like 29% from the field? I mean, from from three-point line.
1: That don't make sense. Right so no, he, he, I don't see that happening. Uh, and I, listen, I've been saying um, a couple of things. Um, Westbrook, I've been saying this about him uh, forever. Uh, you know, that he just, he's just not, you know, triple doubles are like, Running backs getting a thousand yards in a season now. It's just like everybody's getting a triple double. So uh, it, it's not the days of Oscar Robinson or even Magic Johnson. Will's like, wow, he got another one. It's just, it's just a thing of the past. And like you said, if, if you're a ball hawk, you know, I don't understand. E- I mean, even with um, you know the big three in, in Brooklyn, I don't know how long that will last um, because, you know, Kevin Durant, like you said, he's economical. He knows how to take the shots, less shots, and he'll get his. But the other two, I don't know. I don't know. And, and, and with Anthony Davis, I, I don't mean to go back to Brooklyn, but, it, you know, Kyrie is the Anthony Davis of guards in the East. It, you, I mean, he's an injury waiting to happen every year. Waiting to happen, yeah. Every yeah, year, every year. So, yeah. so th- the other thing I wanted to talk about in terms of I've been saying for a long time is Ben Simmons, my Sixers. And again, listen, I'm not blaming all of it on Ben Simmons in this particular year. You, like you said, Doc's got to do a better job making adjustments. I thought his rotation was off. Um, it, you know, um, you look at uh, sure. and Embiid and missed a lot of big shots and took a lot of mm-hmm. bad shots. I mean, they had some issues, but. If Ben Simmons is not gonna harness his craft, if he's not gonna try to get better, if you get it's no excuse not to get points in the fourth quarter. You getting that money and you the star guard and you can't get points in the fourth quarter? No. If he's gonna uh, not, if he's not gonna play like if he's gonna play like that, uh, who he's gotta
4: go. He's gotta go. I'm gonna tell you what happened, brother. Is this because they couldn't? Brett Brown couldn't get him to do it. And neither could other, other coaches, right? So he's thinking this, I'm 6'10", I'm doing that, I'm going I'm to shoot boy, I feel like shooting. His work ethic, his work ethic from, what they, from what they say, sucks, right? He didn't even try to work out shooting. So what happened was, so the, the reason why he got so damaged this time, this time around, because he got battered. And, and here's another thing, too. If the enemy knows you have a weakness and... You refuse to even acknowledge that you have a weakness, although it's glaring, or you refuse to even fix it or try to fix it, they're like, yo, we good, dog. Fourth quarter, we know what to do. And, and, and if you I mean, watch the NBA game, and, I mean, you, know, you know the game. I don't care what nobody say. Fourth quarter defense is always different. When, when the Knicks was in their heyday, I'll never forget my, my buddy Roger Murray. Shout out to Roger Murray. He is a um, You've seen him before. You have watching that game. He's the, the road turn kind of guy. He's not really fat, but he's kind of, he's kind of thick. And he wears glasses, right? And he's been doing it for years and years and years. But him and my boy Stuart, they do the timekeeping and the scoring. And what he told me was, I never forget it. He said, "Who?" Because he, he was, because he, he's been there longer than I have. So he was there in the Ewing days, right? So I wasn't there for Ewing. <coughs> but he told me, he said, "Who?" When the fourth quarter came, this is what he told me because he's on the floor seeing all this, and and he didn't care. If it was Carmelo, Barkley. Shaq uh, Magic and it didn't matter who the team was He said who when the fourth quarter came The other he said he said you could look at it. And this is what he told me I quote he said who you can look at he said you can look in their eyes. They knew it was coming That's heavy think about that though LA he said yeah the, He's on the floor with them LA. He's he he he's he doing it. He's doing the um the scoring he said, you can see it in their eyes. They knew it was coming. That fourth quarter train, that lockdown defense, they knew it was coming. So when Pat Riley put Greg Anthony in, because Mark Jackson would play the fourth quarter, and put, them, put Stark's and them other dogs in there, they may not score no more than 20, uh, 20 points, 24, 20, 24 points, but you ain't getting no more than 18, 19 yourself. <laughs> but right. the fourth quarter defense fourth quarter, is so different. And another point in the modern era. The uh, the the year that Durant left OKC, I believe it was 14 games that Oklahoma Oklahoma City had the lead in going to the fourth quarter end and they lost in the fourth quarter because fourth quarter defense is different. You play Westbrook a little differently because he's going to do the same thing he's been doing, and you let you know KD be KD, but you but you off the head of the snake, cover the head of the snake, and you win the games.
1: So and and you can, and. and right. Who too with, with it's not just his his um his shooting ability mid range you know foul shot but it's his free throw shooting is, is he not yes, embarrassed that they're doing the hack shack on him in the fourth quarter that's bad I know he's six ten or whatever but he's still playing the point and you can't the be thing, on the floor because they're doing the hack
4: shack. The thing is, if you're not working out, if you not if you're not taking that serious, the enemy knows how you're going to play. So I said, like, okay, quarter. Four, four, we, you know, whatever you're gonna do, fourth quarter, we, we're gonna turn that water off. Because fourth quarter defense is different. So they, they were able to play him differently, and they were able to win games, and they made it rather easy. It was rather easy. I mean, rather easy. And so I think this was embarrassing to him. The only part about the embarrassing thing is to him, to me, that it was traumatizing. But but I'll say this. I give him a lot of credit for his news conference. He owned up to it. You know what I mean? I mean, he basically he was humble. He owned up to it, and he was like, okay, I got to work out. Now, if he does work out, and I really believe he should, he should shoot right-handed. I mean, if even if even if he had a, now, even though Chris Paul can shoot threes, Chris Paul's bread and butter is mid-range,
1: right? right? I
4: mean, he, he, he has a certain spot that he gets on the floor is a layup, right? And, and same thing, the same thing even with um Kawhi Leonard, There's a certain spot on the floor, boom, at six ten. If you just mastered a certain spot on the floor, right, right, where where you could just go there and just pop, 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 you an automatic bucket. And, and now, now I will say this: it will get in the way of Embiid, but if Embiid if M B is in shape, it can work because let's face it, Embiid takes a lot of threes, and Embiid and is one player that can, even though he's a big, he's a big, he's a massive man. He can do things on the perimeter that most guys his size can't do. And, and I'm going to be honest with you, even Shaq couldn't. But Shaq was more dominant down low, of course. But Shaq didn't have his skills. Shaq didn't have an uh, um, b skills at that size like that. Out to build right. a perimeter and do that. So so you can allow Ben Simmons to operate on a low dock
1: if he's not going to be a shooter.
4: But now I do But I he's not even he's consistent
1: he's, with that. He's not even consistent no, with that. No, no, and, no. and That's it, why he, I said he needs to be traded, if he's not going to work the, out.
4: Well well, 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 I agree with you. If he's not, if he's not going to work out and do it, then he should be traded. But I really believe that this series was so humiliating for him that I, if I'm in Philadelphia, if I'm going to get his best in the summer, and and he may even need to see a sports psychologist, he may need that. But if, if I'm going to get his best in the summer, and I know that I'm going to get the best image that we we paid 140 million dollars for, then I would give him another shot to see what he does. Because all he really has to do is just tweak his shot to shoot it. But I also think too he should shoot right handed because that left handed shot looks too nasty. I mean, it looks, it looks like he's just because he's ambid, he's really I, I think he's like if this is such a word he's legally ambidextrous ambidextrous he really is. I mean he does things with right hand left. I mean he's I mean and that's what makes him so unique as a point guard or, or the way he plays. He's ambidextrous, but I really believe shooting the way uh, uh, Tristan Thompson did, he started to shoot with one hand right handed and it worked for him. But I right. think if Ben Simmons were to say, I'm going to shoot right-handed, even if it's not a three, if you just kill him in the low blocks, I think he could be a lot more effective because he can, th- I mean, he can take a point guard down there and do damage. But again, that's when B is going to be out of the game or on perimeter. But at 6'10, he's big enough he's we can guard the center also. It depends on, depends on the matchup.
1: Right, right. and You know, it's, I'm with you. I have two things. A workout, and he should use that right hand. Right now, he just the the confidence isn't there, and and any part of the offensive end. And you know, like I tell my my kids, uh, he's playing AAU, and and you know it. You play ball, and and you understand the game. You know, if you want it, go get it. If you really want it, you go get it, and you'll be aggressive. You'll be confident in it. But he has no confidence. He has zero confidence, and and that and you can see it, like you said, your friend. You probably see it in his eyes. And you know, in in the playoffs, it's about a half court, is and it gets even tighter in the fourth quarter. And and that's when they need him. So it's no excuse not to score. Let me ask you this: We we'll talk with Gerald Hoover here on the on the Bachelor News Radio Show. Um, coaching moves. We seen what happened. Uh, I, I mean the whole Danny Ainge leaving and Brad uh, Stevens moving up to his spot, new coach. What about the coaching uh, situation there? Jason Kidd going to Dallas, um, Chauncey Billups going to Portland, and Rick Carlisle going back to his spot in in, uh, Indiana with the Pacers. Who's in a better position to be successful, and and which coach you think maybe was the wrong move in all those scenarios?
4: I'm nervous about Chauncey Billups going to Portland. I'm a little nervous about that one. I, I'm a little nervous about that. I, I I'm a little nervous about that. I think that might. Not I'm not talking about the Lilith, but that's to me that's more the players they have than coaching. Because Terry Star okay, so Terry Starks forgot how to coach. You know what I'm saying? Uh, right. He didn't have defensive players. Their front line was really offensive. Uh, offensively, well, well, they wasn't challenging offensively. No, no, they, right. well, they were defensively challenging, but offensively there was no innovation with that. Now, if you had Melo ten years ago, then you, you then you, you got an argument. But Melo come off the bench doing what he do, not for, and he's not a defender. He can, he can rebound, but he's not a defender.
0: Um, Nurkic doesn't play defense. And neither does his backup. You know what I mean? I mean? And both of them could score down low, okay?
4: But playing defense didn't happen. And then, then your other guys, I mean, so really nobody was really there as a real, really, really, really good defender. So a lot of those games they lost was because of defense. It wasn't because they had, didn't have firepower. But I also still say this, and it's easy to defend this. And this is, and this is why you got to give Chuck Daly so much credit. Because Isaiah Thomas could have been the same way. No, no, Isaiah Thomas could have been like uh, Damian Lillard. You know why I say that? Because Isaiah Thomas was probably the greatest point guard his size to ever walk this earth because there was nothing that guy couldn't do, nothing. When I say nothing, I mean nothing. His game was just incredible. He could score, he could shoot, he could pass. I mean, he could just dominate on every level. Right? I don't think Damon Lillard is as fluid as Isaiah was. Right? But he shoots the ball up ornament amount of times. As a point guard. McCallum is a scorer, but neither one of them, the two of them are like what, six one. If no, I don't even think Damon, I'm, i I sort saw of, me and me and Damon Lillard stood next to each other in the high, and I mean I stood next to him I said, we we didn't pose, but I was I was with him in the locker room man, and he's not big at all. I mean, really, I mean, he's really not that big. Uh, and and, and Newsflash, Kimber Walker, if he sees six feet, he's standing on a ladder. He's <laughs> being real with you. He's like five, about five, eight, somewhere like that. But, but Damon Leonard, it's not that much bigger than him. So Portland doesn't have a defensive presence at all. You know, um, they bought more than what Covington kid, they got him. And when they made that trade in for in, 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 um, Norman Powell, but Norman Powell's like a, a, a six foot six, six foot five guy, is that? So you, you really have any defensive players? You bring in the Chelsea Bills, an inexperienced coach, and things ain't whatever. Actually, no, Norman Powell's only six thirty. But um, I don't think that's the. I don't think Portland was the problem with coaching. I think there was personnel. Now mm-hmm. I think Emmy Doka going to going to Boston and Kim Walker not being there. So now... Yeah, what's up with problems. that trade?
1: I I don't oh, well, understand them. I, I know he didn't fit in, but I don't think, I don't think that that nucleus got a, enough time to to really gel. No, no, no not ball. not. They
4: did. I, 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 I'm gonna tell you why I say that because your two best players are p- perimeter oriented and you know what? They almost have the same. They almost had the same problem almost as the Clippers because your two best players could almost play arguably could play the same position. It really if. if if Paul George was in Indiana and Kawhi uh, Leonard was in San Antonio, and they had a, and, and their two teams played against each other,
0: they guard each other as small forwards. They guard each other, so your 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 two best players kind of do the same thing.
4: Uh, Jalen Brown and that Tatum kid, oh, don't, don't he, that kid is just incredibly awesome. They play the same position, and then you got a point guard and Kemba Walker, who's like five eight, five nine, who can't play defense. Even if healthy, so your problem with structure. They and I watched the way they played last year. They played better and harder when Kemba wasn't in the lineup. When they had that Peyton kid from Oregon, he's he's small but he's gritty. Or or, or when they had Marcus Smart running the point guard, you know. So they, they when when they had better when they had better defenders at the point, they played better. Now their point guard situation is going to be a little different. Now and then you bring in Horford. So that helps their front line, right? So they 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 have to make it up being a lot better. And then a Williams kid, I mean, Boston's going to be a good team next year, I think. And, and I think Emi Adoka is ready. Papa Fish's family tree, if you would. Um, you know, then him coming to the uh, Brooklyn. He's been around a, few, a a couple of blocks, but I think he's a perfect person for that team. And once they make that switch at point guard and they, they become more defensive-minded, they're going to be a, a lot better, I think. I, I think Boston's going to be a lot better.
1: A lot what about Carl Carlisle and in Indiana going back home, if, if you will?
4: Um, I like that. Um, too bad, you know, Nate had got a short in the stick. Carlisle can coach, and if they keep mocking Brogdon, who's a defensive player, and all, I mean, I mean, the, Indiana going to be strong. The East, is, the East has got one, the East got one team stronger because Indiana's going to be right. If they if they have help, and how happy are they? And no disrespect to Depot, that they made that trade for, for Oladipo, with Depot. Because he he would have gotten hurt in, 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 inevitably because his leg is not really that. I don't think his leg was right when he came back, but now nah, that's Miami's problem. Or then again, he's a free agent, so who knows what's gonna happen. But they got players. Uh, uh, Indiana got players in that heart and trade, so Indiana, Indiana's gonna be good. And Kevin mm-hmm. Vert missed a significant amount of time, so that hurt as far as playoff positioning. But Indiana just got just made the
1: East a lot more interesting. Were you surprised that Carlo? took it, because I, I I asked some people, and I haven't gotten a chance to ask you, that you know, the guy has been successful, won a title in Dallas, you know, as the coach, um, and then he steps down saying he wants to spend more time, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, he's back in Indiana. Do you think he was forced out? or I mean, what do you think happened there?
4: I I, I think Luka Doncic is very difficult. Right? From what I'm hearing, he's very difficult. That's why Jason Kidd might be the best person for him because it will be um, uh, point guard to point guard. So they they they, 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 they both got Mensa basketball jeans in them, so they'll be able to match wits and probably challenge each other. So I think that might be the best coach for him. Um, I think Rick Carlisle is still blue-collar old school, a little controlling. That might work with Malcolm Brogdon, because Malcolm Brogdon I don't think is, is one of those um, – a list personality types. I think he's just a hard blue blue collar worker, smart. that's is, is, is all get out. But I think he be. I think that's a perfect match for him. Um, I don't. So I, I don't necessarily think he was forced out, but it does lead to question the fact that Cuban let him leave, okay. And he let him sign with the team without asking for compensation. You know what I mean? So, it, so it might have been one of those bad relationships with your woman. And it's like, okay, who's going to break up first? You know what I mean? You want out, I want out. So it doesn't matter who calls and quits. Then you just say it was mutual. <laughs> You know what I mean? So, so you know what I'm saying? I don't know if I answered the question, but it kind of like yeah. sounds like it. You know what I mean? I, I I do believe that, to be honest with you, if he wanted another crack at it, Cuban would let him do it. Why not? Because he's the only one that bought you a chip. But I think the situation with Lucas Doncic, probably came a little bit over, overbearing or too much of bear. He was like, Yo, you know what, I went out. But he knew he was going to Indiana all along because think about this, L.A. Washington is bringing in minority um, uh, uh, head coaches, I mean candidates. Um, Orlando bringing in minority uh, coaching candidates. As a matter of fact, every team went straight uh, Rooney rule. rule. Everything, every team went straight Rooney rule. Everything except for Indiana. Indiana didn't interview anybody. They just name recall out. So you almost got to think he knew he was going all along. Just that Cuba didn't fight it because Luka Doncic probably didn't want him to be a coach anyway. So why mm-hmm. scrap, why haggle over why haggle why haggle over a uh, conversation where you know it's best for, it's best for your, your your you know your star player, and then then you don't want to get nasty where it looks like Carlisle in here feuding then it really looks a bad then it really paints a really bad picture, you know, things. And, and speaking of mm-hmm. Dallas, how happy are the Knicks getting two first round picks from that Paul Zingas trade? And Paul Zingas might be out of and Paul Singers might be out of Dallas himself. So how, right. how happy are the Knicks about, how how happy are the Knicks right about now? You
6: know?
1: Yeah. How happy are yeah. they? That's it that. that's, that's a great point. Um the the star, you know, uh you know, wants to coach out and and the coach saying, well, I can't take this anymore. I just thought it was, you know, he went quickly and then and the Pacers sc- scooped him up. So not surprised the Pacers brought him back, but I was just surprised in, in how everything took place. All right, we're in our fast break, Hulva. Uh, i got three quick questions for you. Uh, start with the easiest one, which is, um, who do you think is going to win uh, the NBA Finals?
4: Uh, my heart is with Milwaukee 'cause I, I got a, I got a cousin, and a cousin, who's actually the sideline reporter for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Zora Stevenson. And that, that's my blood cousin. It, it, it's not you know this ain't cousin through marriage remote. That that that's family family blood blood. So she's a she's a sideline reporter for the Milwaukee Bucks. So my and then then I want Yance to win one, but then I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset if Chris Paul won one as well. So that you know. And and he took he took down Lincoln, so I'm happy I'm happy for him. Um, <laughs> I think I think I think Phoenix I think it's I think it's Phoenix is a lose, but what we've seen this movie before, you can be up 2 zero when you when you go home, when you win one, you're back in the game. And then game 4 kind of, game four and five kinda of becomes a series where you can tie it up and then maybe take the lead. So it's still a toss up, but it looks like Phoenix is is a lose. But now Fierce got fiens is got, got rocked with the bullet with with a with an injury bug with Zarek, he he tore the a c l right but he's out' at one point fienas looked like the Fierce looked like the the most the most even though chris ball was, was going through his uh situation but Phoenix had looked like the most uh, um progressively healthy team
1: so right. uh
4: but i i i, I you know it, it's kind of toss up i i i i would say Phoenix might 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 win it in in six games
1: yeah, I, I I think so too. Who who's has it? Who needs to win in terms of their legacy? Would you say Chris Paul or Giannis?
4: Right now, Chris Paul, because Giannis is still what twenty seven, twenty eight. So yeah, something like know, that. Chris, Chris Paul is way north of thirty. He's like in year sixteen. So if Chris Paul don't win this year, he might not win it next year. I mean, he might he might not he might not, he might not get a chance to win win it again. So
6: mm-hmm. I would
1: say he has to go get that thing now. He's right there. Um, in the Olympics, you look at their size, um, this team. Everybody was upset that AD and LeBron's not playing all that. But you look at the roster, it's great. Now, you look at Australia and some of these other um, uh, countries, they have NBA players too. But when I look at the roster, they're, they, they don't have a lot of bigs. They got a lot of wing players and great athleticism. Wait, a wait, 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 not wait, enough- wait, 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 wait,
4: wait, 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 wait you've been too kind of like a lot of bigs or no bigs?
1: Well, really, no bigs. <laughs> yeah. Right.
4: You're yeah, yeah, right. I mean, you Because kind of, uh, Kevin Love is not a big. He's like six, eight, eight. Right. And it, Kevin,
1: I, it, yeah, and he's probably the weak link on that entire roster. But when you look at a team like France, they got Gobert and all these other trees on the team. And Australia, Spain, even, even some the of got, the other teams, Spain, you know, Argentina... Yeah. You know, uh, what's the? What do you think realistically will they win? Will they have to grind it out and win, or do you think they get upset? I
4: think they, they have to grind it out because these teams have mobile bigs, right? They don't have big. I mean, they have not. They don't have one big. Damian Green's not a big. them Green is 6'6", with sneakers on. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they take an L. They shouldn't. Now, now, if you, now, if you're going to say firepower, if you can get away with shooting them threes, because most teams do zone, if they're going to go that route and play fast and shoot threes, you just need a rebounder. Now, Kevin Luck can rebound with the best of them now. I got to give him credit for that. He can rebound. Draymond can rebound. And KD can rebound. You know, for his, 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 his with you know, girth, he can rebound. So, if they're going to play fast and do a lot of scoring, then they, then they can win. They can win it. You know what I mean? That, that that's one that's what it'll be because they got they, you gotta you gotta give them credit. They have shooters but they have long shooters.
2: Jason right. Tatum
4: is a is a long six nine, six eight. Right. Uh K D, you know, he's seven seven nine, right? So <laughs> you, you have and then and then you then you got the um the grandkid who's about about who's about six nine, six ten. So you have mm-hmm. guys, right? And Bill's a big guard. All right, he's what six foot six, something like that. He's a big guy. You have a jitterbug and, and Jalen. Uh, I mean, uh, um, and Lillard. He's a smart, but, but he's a, but he's strong himself. I mean, he's 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 not Trey. He's not Trey um, uh, straight Trey Young. You know what I mean? He he has some size to him. Let me he's also like Bill. Okay, they still win? Yeah, I mean, but they got they got to they play strategic because, like you said, you're playing with the Basal boys, who's seven feet on on, on on for no reason. Go go bears for the world. And they're athletic, so he's not Gobert. is not a it's not a big guy. That's a glacier. He, he's he's tall. I mean, he can run. He can move. Right. He go, he can go yep. side to side. So that's where you're gonna have your question: Can they rebound? And uh, you know, do the, Now the good the good thing about that, well, you have some teams where you have jitterbugs that can break up breaking off the of the dribble. But but a lot yeah. of those are, 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 are European guards. They shoot a lot. You know what I mean, but if you get a jitterbug that that takes it, that takes it off the dribble, then the, with, the, with them not really having a shot blocker, that can cause a problem. Right.
2: That, can, that
4: can cause a problem. But I, I but I'll right. say they'll win gold. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go pro USA. I like Pop. I, I, I I'm gonna say they they're gonna they're gonna win gold.
1: Yeah, I I still think it was like you said they got to have to make shots. They got they got weapons in the arsenal. They can put up points. It's just a matter of it's slow down or they get in foul trouble like Love or somebody like that. Then yeah. you, where do you get your rebounding from? Uh, your interior yeah. defense and things. So, um, final question for you. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on the the Rachel Nichols uh, story with Maria uh, Taylor. Um, and how that you went down. You, I you. That
4: first. you should you have asked me that first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My bad. My bad. Um, and we can always uh, come back and continue this another time. But, you know, I working for an ESPN affiliate, I, I know about their lack of diversity. I mean, I've had the emails. I know people that worked at ESPN News and TMAC worked there, and we could tell stories about it. So that's not the surprising thing. The, the surprising thing is that, you know, it, it, I want to say it. these Karens think that they're just as entitled as, you know, Trump or whatever. This supremacy thing that you're supposed to get the other jobs and everybody gets to the, the scraps. Now, Taylor's already been doing basketball and football, so it's not like she's new to the the scene or anything. And you and you have the NBA jump or whatever they're calling. I mean, it, 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 the only thing, the only reason why she said it was wrong and she really didn't apologize. She just said she's sorry for all the pain she caused or something along those lines. The only reason she did is because she got caught on tape. And yeah. then the other dynamic of this is what's going to happen with uh, LeBron's PR guy, who said he's all tired of Black Lives Matter and everything, he he got caught up in. It. How do you see this thing playing out? And being around, it's, 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 the, you know, understanding the Jalen Rose, uh, how is that mm-hmm. even
4: going to work it's, at this point? And, and uh, you you should see what Jalen Rose's daughter said. Oh my, Google that on YouTube. Jalen Rose's daughter sounds off. She went nuclear. I didn't even hear the whole thing she said because I, I was I was I was actually on my way. Into my office, bro. But the part that I did here, I was like, okay, Jalen Rose's daughter. She was just she was, she was just like him in the face too. But um, this is a, this is a disaster to me. What they should have did, and I can't speak for ESPN. I, I never work for them. I don't work for them. They should have said, okay, we're gonna suspend you for a week. At least show something on it. I mean, she she took a siesta for a day. Suspend yourself for a week. Then come back, it's gonna still be there, but you at least see that something was probably "quote unquote" done. They didn't see that. This is a this is a disaster. For one, Rachel, Nich- Rachel Nichols is a spoiled entitled brat, a brat. Does she suck up to LeBron and all of them? I have seen that. I thought she did. I thought she did. Now it's a, it's a rumor. I don't think that happened because I'm you know even though I don't like what she did, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna subscribe to the theory that. Her and Jimmy Butler hooked up and thing, and that's to me. When you do that kind of stuff, that's irresponsible, and you don't need to do that because I she, thought she's married. You know what I mean? But why do that? You know? Mm-hmm. You know? Why, why, why put a rumor out there? Her and Jimmy Butler got together. Now I'm gonna tell you why I don't think it happened because the, first of all, the way Pat Riley is, the, as far as him being a stickler to the, to the, you didn't hear about the Miami players getting getting caught up in nothing. You didn't hear about mm-hmm. none of them getting sent home. Because they was careless because they went to Burger King all that kind of nonsense. They wasn't doing that kind of stuff. You, didn't hear none. you don't hear about guys like from, from Pat Riley times, I mean, Pat Riley ever, uh, or ever supposed to get themselves in trouble. It doesn't happen with them. So why would Jimmy, his, was his first year there, uh, to do something that stupid? I don't see him doing that. You know, And then, and then I'm not being funny. You're Rachel Nichols, you're, you're, you're people can't see you going to a parking lot. People can't see you going to a hotel room. I mean that, that I so I so I that's why I said you know you're throwing this rumor out there at least be factual with it, but that being said she is a spoiled brat. She really is, and I just think what she said just spoke volumes in terms of how she feels about black people. And yep. it's hard if you're Maria, it's hard to take that apology serious. Then right. then she brings in no no and then she brings in Kendrick Perkins and, and Richard Jefferson as props. They say, oh no, no, she's not prejudiced, we cool together. It's not about being prejudiced. Your thought process is bad. Your, your thought process is what uh, other than blacks not helping each other. But your thought process is what hurts hurt black people now. Right, but you know you, you feel entitled, and then you get away with it. She should have been suspended.
0: I think she least. should have got
4: fired. She should have got suspended for a week, because that would have just least made some of the
1: stench go away. And and this is a similar thing when um, uh, Mike Greenberg uh, said uh, Martin Luther King and said it was a fraudulent um, slip. Nothing happened to him. Nothing. He apologized, and they kept it moving. So I'm not surprised at this. The organization not doing anything, Um, but you know, don't disrespect the, the the young lady. She's she's proven that she you you could critique her work on the air, that's one thing, but she's already worked in these markets. She's already done this stuff. She's put in the time. Rachel Nichols, I always wasn't a big fan of hers anyway, and I'm not just saying that now because of this incident, but it it never changes. And then, like you said, a Kendrick Perkins, with all due respect, who you're a professor and you, you know about what we talk about, kids and English and stuff, He's not the most articulate person on the air, anyway. So mm, I, I'm not even sure why they even, you know, did that. But uh, big up to Jalen Rose. I know I have a friend who's who's close to him and said, you know, Jalen's pretty hot about it. Um, but the beat goes on with, with with ESPN and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's got it's got it's it's got to stop. It. I'm with you. If, if you're not gonna fire her, you better do something. You better man. do something because now you got you got the brothers and sisters there. They ready to just walk out. <laughs> and I've yeah. heard that too. So we'll see about that. Hoover, I appreciate you, man. As always, man, good time. Uh, be well. Thanks for staying on as long as you had. And I'll talk with you very soon, sir. Okay, my brother. Be well. Thank you. All right. Gerald Hoover, of course, he's the owner of Pure Sports uh, New York. And of course, Uh, He is the NBA insider and and beat writer for the New York Knicks. Uh, Don't forget, if you miss any part of our broadcast, you go to our website, uh, thebassinews.airtime.pro. Listen to it in these shows in its entirety. Uh, Follow us on Facebook at Pad Nation, Pad Nation Tour, Twitter, LA Bachelor, Instagram. If you want your own show or interested in advertising with us us up at labachelor40 at gmail.com.
3: i know this little girl. Her name is Maxine. Her bitch is like a bunch of bro. If I ever tell you about Maxine, you ought to say I know. kind of living town, old A pretty and bad character. Then the kind of living old You you pretty, your pretty, but your character dirty. tell you just a You run and, so and when you Can you a crepe, crepe, and the living semi-talk and me, these girl come out, uh, because you're not a out, and uh, when you hear the ragamuffin, you have to jump and shout, do touch me, you're not afraid of me, what I'm ready, cause great is great, great and very, for me, you pretty face and bad character, them the kind of living town, old jackass, for me, you pretty face and bad character, them the kind of living town, old jackass, and girl, you're pretty, you face ain't pretty, but you're character dirty, girl, you're just a Stop it.
5: Friday night, old With DJ the DJ and DJ Jimmy Jack.